Amen. Thank you, Mackenzie. Was it a morning like this? Well, very likely a very similar morning like this. When Jesus rose from the dead. The beauty of this morning reminds us of the beauty of that first Easter morning. And we gather here today to celebrate the greatest moment in all of history. When you think about it, in all the history of this world, this was the dividing line. This was the moment that changed everything. The cross and then the resurrection. Had Jesus not risen from the dead, then we would not be talking about Jesus. Unlike religions, other religions of this world, that don't even try to claim that there is a living prophet or a living Savior, that's what Jesus said he would do. And so everything hinged on whether it came to pass or not. And so if Jesus had not risen from the dead, there's no way that his followers then would have gone forth and given their lives for a lie. Because, again, unlike other religions, Jesus did not come and just give a body of moral truth and then his followers continue to share that. He did not just come and talk about a state of mind. He said he was going to die and would be buried and on the third day he would rise again. And if that hadn't happened, there would be no Christian faith. That is one of the great proofs that the resurrection happened because his followers heard him say what he was going to do. It's actually recorded in history that that's what he claimed that he would do. And that's exactly what he did. And so here we are today, 2,000 years later, still singing about and remembering that moment. Because it is the pivotal moment for all of us. And we're going to talk about why that is. Look at Luke 24. I want to read the first 12 verses, the account of the resurrection in Luke. And then we're going to focus in on verses 5 and 6. Luke 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. You can identify with that, can't you? Very early in the morning. They and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things 
to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. The sadness of this world dominates the lives of many people. I think we all know that. And there may be a lot of sadness represented here in the lives of people this morning. Life is hard, and it brings to all of us disappointment and grief and loss and challenges. And Jesus is there in the midst of all of that. Because on that first Easter morning, there were people who were in great sadness, people who were in utter grief. Look what it says there. The women, in the first verse there, the women came to the tomb. And what did they expect to find when they came to the tomb? They expected to find the body of Jesus. They expected that Jesus was dead. They came to prepare his body. They hadn't been able to do that on Friday when he died because he died so close to when the Passover was to begin that they just laid him in the tomb and didn't properly, they weren't able to properly, lovingly prepare his body for burial. And so here on Sunday morning, they came with those spices to do for Jesus out of love for him what they had not been able to do. But they were filled with grief. They were filled with sadness. They fully expected to find a dead Jesus in that tomb. And when they got there, he wasn't there. They were still overcome with grief. Because even when they didn't find his body there, they were so overwhelmed with the circumstance of the moment and the the pain that they were going through that they didn't remember what he had promised to do, that he would rise again the third day. You know, life can do that to us. Sometimes we know very well what God says in his word, that God says he loves us, that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That he promises to be there for us in all things. But in the circumstances of life and the pain and the loss that we feel, we can sometimes forget what Jesus has promised to each of us. But then there were the angels. And they gave the greatest news ever delivered. The greatest news ever given to mankind. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. You see, in the sadness of this world, Jesus meets us in that sadness. He did that 2,000 years ago. These women, so upset, so filled with hopelessness and loss, they had thought Jesus would be the one to deliver the people from the Romans and give life. And then they had watched him die. All those dreams shattered. And so in that moment, Jesus met them. A hopeless world is met by a risen Savior. We're still in a world of sin and physical death and loss. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus still meets us. In the midst of the sadness on that morning, 
God took great pains to minister to the needs of those people and to all people, including us. And what did he do? He rolled the stone away from the door. He sent an angelic messenger with the good news that Jesus was alive from the dead. He had a word of encouragement for Peter, if you look over in Mark 16, who had denied him. And we, if you read the scripture, you'll see how he sought Peter out. Peter, who had denied him three times, he went after him. Jesus found him and restored him. He met Mary Magdalene outside the tomb. He left a message for his followers inside the tomb with those folded clothes over in John chapter 20. It actually says there was a a napkin that had covered his face. One person has written the oriental custom of the napkin. When a man with servants was eating a meal, he would use his napkin to signal them during the course of the meal. If he left the table and wadded his napkin up, it meant that he was finished and would not be back. If, however, he neatly folded the napkin, it told his servants that he was stepping away for just a moment, but he would be back. And Jesus left that napkin, that face covering, folded very carefully, a message that he was alive and he would be there for them. He may be out of our sight, but Jesus is not gone. And here he is in this very room this morning. Jesus says, wherever there are two or three gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so his presence is here with us and will always be with those who know him and love him. And so he did He did so much to try to meet these people where they were. And that's really the whole life of Jesus. From his birth, Jesus grew up as a man. He was fully God, fully man in the same person. He lived the life that we live, but it was a sinless life. He never sinned. But he experienced all of what it means to be a human being in the sense that he knew what it meant to have loss, to weep. To be afraid, to suffer hunger and thirst. And then he has done one thing that none of us here has ever done. He died. He entered into death itself. And so when you think about your life and what you go through day to day, you have a Savior who knows how you feel. You have a Savior who knows your needs. And he can meet those needs perfectly. He met these women that day with the great message that he was alive. There were many other things that took place over the days that would follow. He appeared to more than 500 people, 500 witnesses. And then we see that that ragtag bunch of disciples who had been terrified to even be named with him. They didn't even want to be associated with him. Because they were afraid that what he was going through, his arrest, his beating, his death would be what they would go through. And so they ran, they hid, they were afraid. What happened to them? What happened to them that just a few days later they were standing in the public square preaching about Jesus and his resurrection. And they would spend the rest of their lives preaching that message. What 
caused them to change so dramatically? The resurrection. They, they saw the living Christ. That's what changed. And that's what changes everything for us too. When you meet Jesus, when you receive him into your life, then your life really begins at that moment. And that's the final thing for us to think about here. The question of the angels to these women is a haunting question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? There are a lot of people, the majority of people, who are seeking life in what is dead. They think life is about things. It's about wealth. It's about power. They think life is about possessions or hobbies. Or you fill in the blank. But they're seeking life in what is dead. Life is only found in a person who is alive, a Lord who is alive, and that is Jesus. That's where life is to be found. And that's why Jesus rose from the dead, so that he could give life, real life. He called it abundant life, life that is worth living, life with meaning and purpose, life that will go on forever. Not just, not just the extent of life, but the quality of of that life, a relationship with God. And so the question for us today is, Jesus lives, but do you? Do you live? You can live. I hope you're spiritually alive today. I know we're all physically alive. I think it would create quite a stir if one of us wasn't here this morning. We're all physically alive. We're breathing but the Bible says that without Jesus in your life, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're separated from God. You're spiritually not alive. And that's why there's so much hopelessness and despair in this world because people are physically alive, but there's an emptiness inside. There's a hole inside that only Jesus Christ can fill. And when he fills that hole, he makes you alive spiritually. It's like, it's like a life, a, a body without a heart wouldn't be alive, would it? No, it, it wouldn't be alive. A physical body without a heart's not alive. But spiritually, without Jesus in your life, you're empty. And you need to be made alive, fully alive. And that happens through Jesus Christ. It's the reality of eternity. That Jesus has conquered sin and death and hell. He is alive. He has overcome the power of death. But that does not mean that you or I, it does not mean we are spiritually alive simply because Jesus is alive. Not until what Jesus did for you is applied in your life. Not until you invite him into your life are you made spiritually, truly, really alive and only you can do that nobody can do it for you there is no person that can do it for you no matter how wonderful your parents were or your grandparents doesn't they can't do it for you you must give your life to the risen savior and when you do you will be alive now and forever Romans 10, 9 and 10 is printed there on your, 
outline sheet says it very simply. And notice what is mentioned specifically here, right at the heart of what we call the gospel or the good news. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there's the resurrection, you will be saved, period. And then it explains, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You see, it is an act of the will for you to believe that Jesus loves you, died for you, rose from the dead. And when you believe that, you are justified. You are made just as if you never sinned. You are forgiven of your sin. And as you confess Him as Lord, meaning you've given your life to Him, that's why we say you need to give your life to Jesus. If you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying He is now in control, right? That's what the Lord, that, that's who a Lord is. He's in control of you. You are his servant. You are his slave, as it were, but in the best possible way. Because this is a master. This is a Lord who has done everything in the world for you and loves you with an everlasting love. And so that's why we say you must give your life to Jesus. You must declare that Jesus is Lord, Lord of all and Lord of your life. And when you do that, it says you are saved. Now, what does that mean? To be saved means you're saved from sin, the power of sin, the power of death. You are saved unto God. You're no longer separated from God. And now, because Jesus lives in you, you can live with him forever. He with you in this world and then someday when it's time, when this world comes to an end for you and me, we'll go to heaven and spend eternity with him. That is the promise of God for every person. That's why Jesus came and died and rose again. And so on this Easter morning, absolutely, he lives. Jesus is alive. The remaining question is, are you alive? Do you know you're ready to go to heaven? If life ended for you physically today, would you go to heaven and spend eternity with God? You can know that. The Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. Not dependent on anybody else or anything else. You can know for certain that you're ready to go to heaven because Jesus lives and if he lives in you, you have life everlasting. So we're going to have a hymn of invitation. We call it an invitation because we want to invite you to give your life to Jesus if you haven't already done that. And I'll be right here in the front to pray with you, to help you, to talk with you. Or if there's some other kind of decision God has laid upon your heart, what a wonderful day it would be to do that on Easter Sunday to declare that Jesus is Lord and to be ready to spend eternity with him.
Would you stand together with me? We're going to sing our hymn of invitation. You come as God leads you. Number 298. <clears throat> my life, my love, I give to thee. you for coming on this uh, Sunday morning to lift up Jesus and to worship him as the risen Christ. Hope you have a great Easter Sunday and everything else that you've got planned. Now remember there's breakfast downstairs right now so we hope you'll stay. Uh, if you didn't sign up that's fine. There's plenty of food down there so we 